we are talking about social issues going cold turkey the time now 35 minutes after 10 SAFM leading the late night conversation with me Patricia and Dooley remember we'd love to hear from you cold turkey whatever your substance of choice may be from coffee to sweets all the way to cigarettes uh, to some substances that you and I might not want to talk about unless we are anonymous let's talk about them uh, number 0891104207 or whatsapp 0614104107 no longer puffin passing Cold turkey, that's what you're experiencing? Well, that's why we've got Dr. Keith Scott on the line. He's a medical professional and the chairperson of the South African Drug Policy Initiative. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Keith. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Keith. Thank you. Can you hear me? can hear you loud and clearly. Now, Dr. Very Keith, good. we are talking going cold turkey. No matter what your substance of choice is, it can't be an easy thing. But the first thing that I want to find out from you is, are there any links physically and psychologically that impact one who abruptly stops their addiction? Uh, Sorry, uh, uh, can you just explain what you mean by any links between... um, So... so so if yeah. one if one stops their drug of choice abruptly, is there anything yes. that happens to them physically or psychologically? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't understand the question. Yes, uh, well, well it, uh, it both happens physically and psychologically because uh, when you take a drug, whether it's uh, caffeine or nicotine or heroin or uh, tick, your body adapts to it to a certain degree. So it becomes, uh, you know, the various uh, neurotransmitters and chemicals in your body adapt to this uh, continuous intake of a drug. If it, uh, and to go cold turkey, you obviously need a continuous intake. And then when you suddenly cease using that drug, your body has to readjust. And that's when you get um, uh, withdrawal symptoms or cold turkey, if you like to call it, which is basically withdrawal of a drug suddenly. If you taper off that drug, you won't get those symptoms. Uh, you can taper it off fairly quickly and you'll get mild symptoms. If you stop it immediately, you'll get severe symptoms. And if you, with certain drugs, you get uh, far more severe symptoms, also depending how much of the drug you take every day. And those uh, symptoms are, can be psychological. Uh, well, they, they, it's, they're more neurological because they, you're not imagining them. They're actually a chemical reaction, but they, they, they give you uh, symptoms like anxiety, confusion you can even get uh, delirium delirium treatments if you stop alcohol suddenly and then you can end up even with seizures especially with alcohol if you're using a lot of alcohol and you stop it suddenly and then you can even die and then uh, obviously there's a a crossover with uh, physical symptoms like sweating vomiting nausea stomach pains etc it sounds like going cold turkey on, on major drugs or drugs that you are addicted to could cause death from what you have said, um, should they occur into seizures. I'd like us to talk to an addict right now so that we can perhaps get their point of view. It sounds very dangerous to go cold turkey, but at this point in time where we are with the lockdown and a lot of restrictions on certain goods that you can purchase or traveling that you can or cannot do, uh, a lot of people are experiencing these symptoms, I'm sure of that. And uh, one such person is Kurt Eo. Thank you very much for joining us, Kurt. Thanks, Patricia. How are you? Excellent. And how are you doing? Are you surviving? We try. We are trying. Um, Now, Kurt, I don't know if you're at liberty to share with us what your drug substance um, um, uh, dependency is currently. Well, 
I, I'm a nicotine addict, and I, 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 I usually consume my, or I, I only consume my nicotine at the moment through electronic cigarettes or, or vaping products. And does it help curb the actual, you know, edge that you, you, you usually have when you don't have your nicotine fix? Yes, so I've been a vapor or an e-cigarette user for just over six years now. So, and, and I, I chose to uh, choose a, a, a less harmful uh, method of consuming nicotine through electronic cigarettes or vaping. And it certainly has helped, but it's becoming really difficult in these times to to obtain those products because there's literally a complete shutdown. And how do you cope if you don't have your substance um, at, uh, at at your disposal when you need it? Well, you know, it's, there's, there's obviously a lot of agitation, um, mood swings. Um, for a certain period of time, if you don't get your nicotine, you start getting things like headaches, uh, but particularly around mood swings and agitation. Um which which can become problematic, especially if someone is experiencing some kind of um, of mental illness. You know, a lot of people that have got mental illness do rely on nicotine to help them through that. Uh, through that. Now, Dr. Keith, uh, the link between mental illness and uh, substance um, abuse, and uh, then obviously going cold turkey. How damaging is that link? Well, it's damaging in a sense that uh, you know preferred, we prefer to use the the term um, a problematic drug use rather than abuse because, um, as Kurt said, a lot of people with mental illnesses who are using drugs are using they're self-medicating actually because even if they're on medication given to them by a professional, they find that uh, a drug like uh, tobacco and maybe other drugs like cannabis actually help them even more. So there is that link that people who have uh, severe mental illnesses or even mild ones, in fact, uh, tend to statistically tend to use either legal or illegal drugs more than people who don't have those problems. And then, of course, what happens is people who have uh, who are taking uh, one drug are often taking several others, especially if they're taking illicit drugs. So you might have people you know, who, who are using heroin. Most heroin smokers, cannabis smokers actually smoke tobacco as well. And so when you withdraw one of them, they have to, if they can't get hold of that one illegally or legally, they will tend to take more of another drug, which might be more uh, dangerous. And if they are looking for an illegal drug, those drugs are often contaminated and, and far more dangerous. So with taking away a drug like uh, nicotine, or, or should I say tobacco, and alcohol is actually not only cruel to those people, it's exceptionally cruel, it's dangerous. They can die. And if they aren't offered a safety net, if, if people, if the government, for instance, removes that uh, drug of their choice, then they can get into a lot of trouble. And, and so in the medical profession, we never ask people to go cold turkey unless it's voluntary. A lot of smokers do that. Uh, we, we have other treatments, often with drugs, with counseling, etc. And so what the government has done is co- totally contrary to uh, proper medical practice. Now, what can the medical professionals do then to intervene, especially if you're saying it can be dangerous for the people around the um, um, the substance users and also for the substance users themselves? 
Well, you see, that's the dilemma. We've got uh, medical professionals who are advising the government that using alcohol and, and tobacco is actually encourages the spread of disease. And if they stop using alcohol, they're unlikely to be as violent as they would otherwise. They're unlikely to behave irresponsibly. But when you have a, a health, uh, public health policy, now the COVID epidemic uh, pandemic is a, is a public health policy, and anything related to that has to be taken into account. And in medicine, we always look at harms versus benefits. When you're making a policy, when you're deciding on a treatment, it's standard practice every day. But if, particularly in health policies, you have to do a, um, a uh, harms versus benefit analysis, and that has to be done scientifically. That was not done before these rules were brought in. And we've got, uh, we've got uh, the, the government who has the ear of certain medical professions who are anti-alcohol and anti-tobacco, and they're just giving the one side of the story. They're saying this drug is bad, it makes people more susceptible, it makes them more violent. Now, that might be absolutely true, depending on, on which uh, aspects we're talking about, but there are harms, and some of them we've just covered now. And so one has to weigh the two up uh, against the other, and one cannot... Uh, just uh, protect one part of the population. You have to take into account the hundreds and thousands of people who have mental illnesses and other conditions uh, that we need to take into account when we bring in new regulations. Joining on the conversation by calling us on uh, 011 714 4045 or 011 You can also uh, WhatsApp us on 0614 SMS 41391. SMSs are charged at 150 each. We are talking social conversations, going cold turkey on your drug of choice. On the line, I've got Mervyn. And uh, Mervyn is uh, a recovering drug addict. Mervyn, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your journey in um, and what sort of drugs that you were taking and how did you manage to curb it? Did you go cold turkey or did you get other interventions, medical interventions? So, um, yeah, I've, <clears throat> so my name is Mervyn Canham. I, um, I've been sober for 15 years now. Actually, it was 15 years in January. Congratulations. Um, thanks, thanks. Um, so the journey kind of, I mean, for me, it, it kind of started, I mean, a long time ago at the age of 15 with my addiction. And I, to cut a long story short, I went to a few rehabs um, and I got clean at the age of 23. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 but I mean, I think it's 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 a, a lot of medical interventions needed to happen. I mean, I didn't go cold turkey. Um, I went to facilities that um, allowed me to um, to detox off my drug of choice. Um, well, at the time, it was kind of everything. Towards the end of my addiction, alcohol, mandrax, crack, um, and um, yeah, I mean that was what, what was was really a difficult journey. Um, but I. I, I suppose I hit rock bottom, and it was either I, I, I off myself or I get sober. Um, I lost a brother who was addicted to alcohol. He committed suicide about 16, 16 18 years ago. And um, I think, I mean, for me, that didn't even keep me clean, you know. Um, I carried on using, I used to numb I used to escape, 
I, I used because I like the feeling. Um, I mean, I, I, I also think about like people that are in lockdown right now, um, like going cold turkey. I mean, mm. some people are, some people, I mean, if you're addicted to alcohol, I mean, I had an uncle, um, last year he passed away. He was in hospital. He was a chronic alcoholic and he passed away because he was going cold turkey in hospital. And I think the best thing they could have done for him was they could have given him alcohol, um, to keep him alive. Because um, his body went into shock, and I mean, I think that's what your body knows. Your body kind of gets used to um, the dependency of alcohol. And I mean, he was a chronic, he was a chronic alcoholic. Um, so, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of things I disagree with in terms of you know the alcohol ban. Um, I get it, but I also get the 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 the, the struggle as well. I mean, I think people will kind of. I mean, for me, I went to any lens to get high. You know, I went to any lens to, I mean, I, I suppose, given in these times, I, I just kind of think what I would have done, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd make a plan, you know, because um, of desperation, you know, um, and my life revolved around using, you know, um, and obviously, I mean, I think, you know, I'm grateful um, that um, the 12 step program, um, I think also now during these times, what's happening is we, we're doing a lot of online meetings, 12-step meetings, you know, um, and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I miss the interactions of actually sitting in a meeting with alcoholics, with drug addicts, you know, and that are in recovery. Um, so it's difficult. I mean, I also get the difficulty for, and there's also been a lot of relapses as well. Yeah. During this time of, of lockdown, time, yeah. okay, lockdown. and and uh, you know, Mervyn, I'd like you to 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 explain to us when you say there've been a lot of relapses. Is it from the group, the support group that you are part of? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, people are not getting the, the sufficient support. I mean, I kind of think about. For me, it's around um, people don't have accessibility to 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 these platforms like Zoom. Um, number one, I mean, people are in the townships. There are meetings in the townships, but. I suppose everything is run by Zoom, um, via Zoom. So what's happening is people are not getting access to those platforms. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, a lot of people are falling. You know, um, and going yeah. back into the addiction. And now, yeah. Dr. Keith, we uh, Mervyn made a very important um, observation here that his uncle was an alcoholic, admitted into hospital um, for other complications. But in hospital was not given alcohol and he relapsed is there any um is there anything else that could have been done in the medical profession for a person who is an addict known addict going into a medical facility for a different sort of uh, condition that is there anything that could have been done for him well obviously i can't comment on on, on his uncle because you know there, it could could have been anything um that it could, had contributed to his, his death, which is very unfortunate, especially as he was under treatment. Generally, um, nowadays, I think most uh, rehab units in, in the medical context, as opposed to the psychological, they use uh, substitute drugs, benzodiazepines, um, to, to get people, uh, to get them through the, the uh, cold turkey. Well, it isn't actually cold turkey because you're damping the system. So I, I really don't know uh, what the situation was. I don't think many places now use taper of the alcohol in, uh, as an inpatient. Obviously, if you're advising someone and they want to gradually go off themselves and they're not in danger, then you could just uh, support them.
Back to you, Kurt. You say you are on e-cigarettes right now, and it's really difficult for you to get some of the supplies that you require. Would you go cold turkey, knowing very well the effects that it would have on your body, or would you rather go to any lengths to get your uh, your e-cigarettes? Um, well, the number one, my number one goal is to stay off cigarettes completely. So I would have to literally become an outlaw or a criminal to get whatever I need um, to to sustain the the, the, the nicotine vaping. Uh, I know that there are a number of people out there that have that have that have gone to great lengths to try get hold of the e liquid which contains nicotine. And I've even heard of some people trying to make up their own stuff, which is incredibly dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so for me personally, um, my number one goal is to stay off the cigarettes itself. Um, and if I can't, um, I don't want to cross that bridge. I really don't. I'd, I, would, I would try my best to go cold turkey, um, but I, I can't trust myself. You know, you, you get to a point where you know your your addiction will take over. You need that. You need that nicotine. You need that fix. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't want to get there. And I think it's grossly unfair that uh, you know that we've got laws or policies at this point in time that's preventing people from um, getting getting the substances that that they depend on. Uh, you know, I understand what. Actually, I don't understand why the government considers uh, tobacco smoke as as a problem, um, because there is no real evidence to suggest that the that tobacco smoke um, increases your your um, risk of contracting COVID, or even um, you know even having a worse case of of getting COVID. I understand if you had um, the virus or you've had a, a long term uh, illness like COPD or lung cancer, it's a different scenario. But people that are smoking that don't have those underlying conditions, there's no evidence that I've seen that that suggests that uh, you stand a higher risk. Thank you so very much for joining us, uh, Kurt, and uh, I'd like us uh, to just move on to Dr. Keith. Dr. Keith, as uh, the chairperson of the South African Drug Policy Initiative, please tell us what are some of the initiatives that you are, are going to put forward and address in order for people who are on any substance, any sort of drug, um, not to in- in- incur um, the hardships of going cold turkey due to the lockdown conditions that we're currently under. Well, uh, you know, we, the, the South African Drug Policy Initiative was started by a number of prof- professionals like myself, criminologists, doctors, um, uh, social scientists, etc., a few years ago, because we realized that the drug laws uh, that are controlling illegal drugs, which uh, cannabis was then, and, and other drugs like cocaine, etc., are doing more harm than the drugs themselves. And there, there, there are a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, the, people are buying contaminated drugs, they're sharing needles, uh, they haven't got the support, they're ostracized, etc., etc. And then, obviously, one of the big factors is the, the criminal element. As we know in the Western Cape, we've got a gangster problem. And uh, as soon as you ban something, uh, whenever you ban the trade in something that people really, really want, uh, you, you only drive that trade underground. That's exactly what happens every time. 
and that's uh, that's another reason we've been lobbying uh, government and uh, and other political parties and trying to educate people that actually the the problem that's killing their their families and stuff is is not the drugs themselves so much although they they are dangerous any drug is dangerous including alcohol but it's it's the laws and and the way that people are exploited and uh, by the by the police and by the criminals and then what happened is when the government brought in these uh, regulations at the beginning of the lockdown which uh, banned the sale of alcohol and drugs we realized we better speak up because that's exactly what happened with with uh, the currently illegal drugs other than those two and uh, we sent out a uh, press release and and spoke to various people and said this is not a good thing and then obviously after about three or four weeks when lockdown was about to end uh, all these things came to the fore that people were selling illegal cigarettes they're brewing an alcohol they're buying illegal alcohol etc and it's interesting this whole lockdown has demonstrated exactly what happens which we've been saying about other drugs when you ban a drug people just buy they go underground and then the, the people get arrested, et cetera, et cetera. So there's more harm to society and individuals than the laws themselves. We've got a WhatsApp uh, voice note here that I'd like us to listen to. Remember, you can join in as well on the conversation on 011-714-4045 or 011-714-3945. WhatsApp 0614-104-107. Patricia, quite an interesting show that you have. I wanted to know, firstly, from your doctor panel and guest, why does he say that uh, the decision that was taken is goes against the old medical advice and practice? And uh, I want to know that because in the government we've got doctors. Why does he think it goes against medical advice? Number two, why would his colleagues in government who are leading in this uh, COVID drive against the COVID, would they go against medical advice? Dr. Keith, you hear the question there from our listener. Yes, I do. Thank you for the question. Uh, Well, I I appreciate um, the opportunity to clarify it. I didn't say that... um, they went against medical advice. What I said was that there are two sides of the story. When you have a, a, a public health policy uh, proposal, you look at the, 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 the benefits versus the, um, the, the, the downside. In other words, the, um, the risks versus benefits when you make that policy. And you have to do a risk versus a benefit analysis whenever you institute a public health policy. So there are drawbacks to people using alcohol. There are drawbacks to people using tobacco. But they also drawbacks by suddenly withdrawing uh, those drugs from people who have addictions and have mental illnesses, which is what happened in this situation. So what I'm actually saying is that there are medical people. There's some medical people who take one side of it and other medical people who take the other side of the story, like we do in the South African Drug Policy Initiative. We say you cannot just withdraw drugs like that. So it's really a question of doing the the um, the uh, health, health versus um, harms analysis first. Now, uh, as we round off the conversation, uh, Mervyn, your thoughts yeah. on going cold turkey? No, I, I, I completely disagree with that. I, I I think I think people need to get medical help. I mean, I work in a in a, in a psychiatric um, facility with people with depression and 
it's it's I, I see that struggle with the cigarettes. You know, uh, people going go Turkey is is it's, it's a struggle because I suppose that's the that's one vice they need to kind of cope. You know what I mean? And on the other hand, also um, I work in the dual diagnosis unit where with the alcohol with with the, with, with the drug addicts and, and alcoholics, they they need they need uh, appropriate medication to help them detox. You know. Um, I, I disagree with, with, with cold turkey. You know, so very much. People, it puts yeah. people at risk. People could, people could die. I mean, mm. with heroin addicts, they could they could die from withdrawals. With alcoholics, they can't die. You know what I mean? Like, because your body becomes so dependent on this, and, and it's a serious thing. In my opinion, what what should have happened in the beginning was we should have had spaces where you know where we were kind of. You know, giving people methadone or something, you know, to to help them during this time. You know, and I, I suppose that wasn't there. Put, these things should have put it, been put in place. Thank you so very much, Mervyn. Uh, as we close off, uh, Dr. Keith, uh, let's just uh, hear your last uh, uh, pointers on going cold turkey and what you can do as uh, the chairperson of the South African Drug Policy Initiative. Well, yes, I would advise people who want to give up, uh, stop taking a drug. If it's a mild drug like caffeine, and even people who don't smoke a lot, you can do it yourself, uh, do some homework. And if you're not happy, if you're not sure, go and see your doctor or local health facility. Hopefully, they'll be able to help you. Um, in terms of the South African Drug Policy Initiative, our thrust is mainly to try and change the uh, legislation to, uh, to legalize uh, drugs and control them properly and not leave them in the hands of criminals. Uh, we're not uh, directly involved in, in treating patients. It's more about uh, the wider perspective of changing the, the, the legislation. Thank you so very much, Dr. Keith. And it's time for the news with Zolega Kotashe.